0: So I think a pretty hot topic over here in TPT world lately has been, how can I diversify my income? Or if you want to get really cliche, how can I not leave all of my eggs in one basket? And that is a very smart and very incredible question to ask yourself, regardless of the current state of your business. There's never a wrong time to look for other avenues and other ways to grow beyond just the traditional marketplace and shop. So that is why I am incredibly excited and honored today to sit down with Melanie Battistelli, who is the face of Duxbury Digital and also an incredible, incredible online business manager and launch manager for the TPT community and beyond. Today, Melanie is sitting down with me and she is going to share three tips for making sure you are ready to launch either a course or a membership in your business and how to get ready if you are not. So thank you so much, Melanie. I think you guys are going to love this one. All righty, my friends. Well, I am so excited to welcome Melanie to our show today. Melanie, welcome to the School of Sellers podcast. Thank
1: you. I'm so excited to be here. When I first transitioned out of the classroom, your podcast was like one of the first ones I listen to. So I'm having a fangirl moment.
0: <laughs> that's so cool. That's like a full circle moment. Well, obviously we'll get to the launch goodness and all of the stuff that we will talk about here today, but I had to laugh. Do you get the Mel B Spice Girls mention ever? Cause when I saw your name on the agenda today, I was like, that's so funny.
1: You know, I like don't. I mean, even though my last name has been baddest, I've been married for almost eight years. I like, I don't know. I don't know if it like aged out. You know what I do get? Have you ever seen the movie The Wedding Singer? Yes. Where they're like Julia Gulia. <laughs> yeah. I get like Melanie Battistelli. It's a little Julia Gulia
0: vibes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That's true. I didn't even think about the maiden name versus the married name. Well, you'll be Melby in my head and yes. in a spice girl's <laughs> frame of mind, if you know, just to let you know. I don't hate it. <laughs> well, Melanie, this is an exciting episode because I don't think we've really talked too much about courses and memberships and launching offers outside of the product world much Mm -hmm. on this podcast. So before we dive into all of that fun stuff, will you just give us some background information? I know you said you transitioned out of the classroom. So just tell us like your origin story and what you do now for the TPT community. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I was a high school history teacher for 12 years I think you and I actually had an overlap because you used to teach in the county right next to where I taught for 11 of those 12 years. I still live there today. And when I became pregnant with my second daughter, I just like, I mean, we all know, right? Like teaching isn't exactly the most flexible of the professions. Uh, You know, summers off and all that are great and amazing and holidays too, but like it stinks when your little girl has an ear infection, and then you got to get up at four in the morning and write sub plans and the sub bales, and your coworkers are like, your class is crazy. I mean, I taught high school, so not that elementary school teachers can't relate to that, but I just wanted a bit more flexibility. So I kind of started as a general virtual assistant and dabbled in all of the things like customer support social media, which was definitely not for me. (laughs) Anytime you see me posting on social media, know that there was a struggle (laughs) behind it. And then one of my first clients uh, had an already established course and I sort of took on her role as launch manager and it went pretty well. And then I took on a couple other clients who were launching courses as well, like in the TPT space to other teachers. And I decided to get my online business manager certification. And then right now, I'm actually halfway through my course and launch certification. So that's like something a little bit more in-depth because I just really kind of found that, I guess, I don't know, maybe because of curriculum design and you know my own teaching experience, that's kind of like what I like and what I'm the most passionate about.
0: I think that's really cool that you kind of like started out Generally, and then zeroed in on something that you enjoy. Cause I, we talk a lot on this show and just in the seller space, how the enjoyment factor I think is more important than anything else in terms of like deciding what your niche and your focus is going to be. So, do you currently have, you mentioned teachers creating courses for other teachers? Is it still predominantly that situation? Or do you also assist with launches that are more like on the, TPT seller side of things? So
1: let me think here. I actually, I do not currently have any clients. I'm thinking slowly. I do not currently have any clients that have launched a course for other teacher sellers. I mean, like yours, right? Uh Like your membership, basically. But I think, yeah, a lot of the same principles could certainly be applied. And in a way, it might be even a little bit more profitable, right? Because when you have that like business owner mindset, like you're Mm -hmm. willing to spend a bit more money and can get like higher return on investment rather than selling to classroom teachers who, I mean, we've all been there, right? Who are, of course, like more budget conscious, sick of spending their own money. But I have seen and been part of. Six and five figure launches to classroom teachers. So it mm-hmm. is possible, just harder,
0: <laughs> yeah. well, it's it's completely different audiences. And I was just curious mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times, like when we hear about online courses and memberships, that's immediately where our mind goes to is more like the business side of things. But I'm kind of glad you said that because I feel like the course and membership route is kind of like an untapped world for a lot of people who do have teachers as their audience. And, there's obviously been like an increased conversation about, you know, diversifying your income and all of that good stuff. So, I think this is going to be a really exciting thing for people to listen to that are looking to kind of branch out from just selling products to teachers. Mm-hmm. But like you said there are some pros and cons and just some different considerations to think about when you are starting out in the world of launching whether it's a course or a membership. So, I think it would be helpful if we first just talked briefly about those two things, a course versus a membership. What is the main mm-hmm. difference between the two? And like, what are the pros and cons as a creator of a membership or a course?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to hear your opinion on this as well, since you've had both, right? Yes. Oh, I, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think with courses, there are some pros because it is generally a, you know, a one-time purchase. The customer tends to get lifetime access. Usually right in the digital space, there's not really a large amount of like refunds. So like the amount that you kind of sell when you launch your course is generally like the amount that you're going to make. I mean, and usually you can do depending on the price point, like multiple payment plans, you know, stretched over the course of a couple months, but generally like it's easier to predict income, I guess is what I'm trying to say based on courses. And I also think like the big benefit is, I don't want to say like once you've created it, you're done because I think a huge misconception is that courses are passive income, which mm-hmm. is malarkey, yes if you will. <laughs> I mean, they can be, but I mean, just think about like teaching in general since 2020, like if you launched a course before 2020 about, you know, just general a teaching practice before the year 2020, like I hope that you've gone in and updated it, right? Because life is a lot different, right? So that is kind of a pro, I would say, but like also kind of a con because it's, it isn't to a degree passive income and mm-hmm. you don't have to update it as much. But with a membership, right, that's a little bit more predictable because you can have people canceling the memberships. I mean, it's exciting because there's not necessarily like a cap Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can keep it like recurring that you can join at any time. So it can be recurring monthly revenue, but also like people could cancel at any time. So you have to like really be mindful of your churn rate. Like that means people canceling versus joining, and making sure, I think the hardest part, like, I don't know how you do it, but you all do such a great job, is coming up with new content each month. And like, you have to continue to come up with things, theoretically, kind of forever. Yeah, <laughs> You have a membership, which I think sounds, to me, I don't have a really large team. It's just me and two other girls. But I think, to me, a membership sounds overwhelming to like continue to come up with content But I also think it depends on your topic. Like I'm sure it's easier for some topics than others to create different monthly content.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with both of those because I relate very hard to the course and the membership Mm -hmm. pros and cons that you noted. So I will say, yes, the course, that's a huge misconception is it being passive income. And yeah, I think the updating alone, even if you create a course and you're like, this isn't going to need updated anytime soon. I mean, I think I make updates every, before every launch just because it's your brainchild and you don't want to put something out at that high of a price point that's going to have any you know, errors or old information or things like that. And then I totally agree with the membership just having to have that content every single month. So I would say that if a membership sounds like it is something you're interested in, I know one thing that we have done, along with a lot of help from Katie and Ashley on my team, of course, is getting all of that content ready before it even starts. Like we have our entire year done. Like the challenge sheets, like the information, our guests, everything mm-hmm. is done and ready to go. And I think that's kind of the same thing as like growing bundles in your TPT store. You have to kind of like front load it or else it's going to feel exactly like you described. But yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting yeah. thing to think about. And I think too, it depends on, I don't know, like the model of your membership. I know a lot of people are mm-hmm. moving towards like, digital download memberships which might be easier to manage, you know, than like coming up with fresh content every single month. But those are definitely some good things to consider. And this is exactly why I was so excited to have you on the show because I think it's really overwhelming and it feels really hard, but courses and memberships are still doable as long as you know what you're in for and have the support that you need, which is where you come in. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, but this is why we love sharing tips like this on the show. And you came up with three tips for launching a course or a membership to kind of get us going if we are kind
1: of thinking about going this route. So I feel like the first tip is the one that is most often skipped, unfortunately, because it's like the most important. There's <laughs> an analogy for you, I guess. If you have a house, right? If the foundation is not good, Like it doesn't matter how beautiful and big and shiny the house is, like eventually the whole thing will collapse. Or I mean, in this particular analogy, like your course or membership probably won't sell the way that it has potential to. I was speaking to somebody last week actually about this, and they asked me a really interesting question. They said, how much does the actual like content and value of the course determine like how well it sells? which I thought was really interesting because I've never seen like in the, I don't know, 20 plus launches that I've helped manage. Like I've never seen a course that I've thought like, oh man, this is terrible. Like, I can't believe they're charging for this. (laughs) yeah Like that's not the issue. I feel like like people aren't creating courses that don't have value. It's Mm -hmm. more so that people are, are creating courses that nobody asked for. It's yes. like that meme, right? Where, like, the meme's like, nobody. And then the next part's yes. like, here's my new course on this. Yes. <laughs> nobody asked for this. So, before you even get started, like, even if you have a couple ideas, it's best to kind of pull or pulse your audience. Like, what is it that they most need right now, so to mm-hmm. speak? Because you might have multiple segments of your audience. Or you might not, but there's really only one way to find out (laughs) is by asking them, which I think a lot of people skip over, or they'll ask other people's audiences, or they'll ask their, you know, friends who are in the Mm -hmm. same space, but they have different audiences. No, it's kind of weird and awkward, but you have to like literally ask your audience what they need, what they want, what they're struggling with. And people like don't do that, I feel a lot of times.
0: I remember doing that before. I think before I even ever launched School of Sellers, I contacted some TBT sellers and had Zoom conversations. And it was, it felt so awkward and so weird because a lot of these people I'd never even talked to before. But you're right. Like you need that honest feedback from someone who's going to actually tell you what they need, not what they think you want to hear. So, how would you recommend? Like, what's obviously we can like post on like Instagram stories. That's the first thing that comes to my head. But what, Like, what would you recommend in terms of reaching out that you have seen to be effective?
1: Yeah. So I feel like what kind of sparked me taking the certification that I'm like halfway through now is because I've had two clients that have come to me with fully developed courses, like recorded, ready to go sales page built, hundred percent done. Like, okay, Melanie, now let's make me all the money. But Mm -hmm. like, I was not a part of any of the beginning conversation. So I feel like I needed to find a way to like mitigate and like get people before they just recorded their whole dang course, you know, Mm -hmm. and spent 40 hours of their time to launch to like basically crickets because nobody asked for it. So I'm currently working with a seller who's had a course for about two years now, I think she said, and... She's live launched a couple times and it's just gone badly every time. So she just like put it on evergreen and never talked about it again. But <laughs> she then decided like, okay, like I spent, you know, hours recording and making yeah. this course, like, let's try it again. So we're basically treating it like it's a fresh build. We've sent an email survey to her entire list that kind of asks them, like, what are you struggling with? You know, in your classroom, what are you struggling with in your personal life to kind of figure out what their problems are in this particular niche? I like try not to say too much. (laughs) (laughs) And like what their goals are and what they'd like their classroom to look like. And so far, it's been really helpful. And I think she kind of thought to herself, like, no one's going to fill this out. She has an email list of about 2,000 people, 200 people filled it out. Wow. That's amazing. So it's just about like asking. And then the next step we're going to take is she does have some people in her course already, which is like Mm -hmm. an advantage. We're going to ask them. So if you already have a course that's been launched, don't like forget about the people who already bought from you. They're like literally your most valuable resource. (laughs) Even if it's only three people, ask them why. Yeah. Like, why did you buy? Like, what pushed you over the edge? What was it that I said that made you think like, yeah, I'm going to spend $200 on this. Like, I must have said something or you must have read something. You know, what was it? Yes. So that's our next move. And then for this particular case, I think it's all about like her marketing. And I think her course is fine, but she's not selling it. Like people don't know what it is.
0: I feel like like I'm a huge fan of surveys just because I think that a lot of times even the wording they use or a, a certain phrase they use to answer something you're like oh my gosh that makes so much sense to me that resonates with me and probably will resonate with my audience so even just finding like little pieces of text or copy I guess to use in your marketing yeah, exactly. because it's a phrase you keep seeing again and again in your you know audience feedback is really mm-hmm. important too
1: Yes, that's an important point. You can't just do the survey and then be like, well, I did it. Like you have to read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to read the answers and then see like commonalities. And one, and this is just because it's just happened yesterday. So it's kind of fresh in my mind right now. So many people said what's missing from their classroom, support, support, support. And, you know, this course that she already has can provide that. Mm -hmm. Plus she's has a Facebook group of something like 5,000 people who are already in it, like as another measure of support. So she can really play that up in the marketing when we go to launch again this summer.
0: Yes. All right. Well, I love that you talked about that because I think that is such a big first step is just knowing who your audience is, knowing what their pain Mm -hmm. points are, and then actually using that knowledge to either create the course content or market your course or both depends, I guess.
1: Yes. Depends where you're coming, where you're coming (laughs) in at ideally to create it, but if you've already created it and it's not going well, go back to the beginning and see how you can fix it up.
0: That's so worth it. So your next tip really has me intrigued. So let's hear number two, because I can't wait to hear more about it. Are you a TPT seller who knows exactly what you need to do, but you're just not sure how to get started and get yourself into action mode? That's exactly why I started Ignite, which is a monthly TPT work club for TPT sellers just like you who need that extra boost of accountability in their life in order to finally have the business of your dreams. Or who knows, maybe you are working to make the business of your dreams even better. Either way, I would love to have you join our Ignite community so that you can experience the magic of a group of people who just get it. And not only do they get it, but they are there to support you and encourage you and cheer for you every step of the way. Join today at schoolofsellers.com slash
1: ignite. So I feel like this is no you're no stranger to this, especially like what you just said about like, we have all of our content mapped out a year in advance. Like, I'm not that surprised that you do. (laughs) But a lot of people, as you're probably fully aware, do not map out their content a year in advance. Like definitely not. So we all, I think as ex-teachers or current teachers use backward planning, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody uses it. If you have state testing where you are or even like some kind of benchmark assessment, you know, you look at the date that that assessment is and then figure out what are all the things that these kids need to know by this assessment. And then you try and get them there. At least that's how I always did like my lesson planning. I taught two AP classes. So obviously the end of the year in May for me huge, you know, exams that students had been working for all year, college credit, like super high pressure. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's why launches don't feel as stressful (laughs) to me. Well, first I would I guess advise to take a look at what your audience says about when they need certain things to kind of pick your launch date. Mm -hmm. Because what I've found is launching with a couple teachers in October and then in February, like those are you can do better in the summer, right? So to speak, when teachers are more well-rested, if you're launching more like a business-to-business model, like, you know, like you kind of do, it Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily matter as much. I would venture to guess, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that summer launches also, I guess, depending, might not necessarily do as well because TPT kind of slows down a bit. Or is that when teacher people are ramping up? So as far as serving the TPT seller crowd, we
0: have had success launching in the summer only because it usually comes right off of the TPT conference. So like we have a very warm audience of like conference session attendees if I presented that year. But I love the idea of kind of getting a little sales boost in the summer for people selling to teachers because our membership topic in January was filling in like just little seasonal sales gaps. Like where's your graph Mm -hmm. the lowest? What can you do to make up for that? And obviously summer is a very common low point for a lot of our sales graphs. So I actually think this is like the perfect timing to like have a little cash infusion into your business. If you are marketing to teachers in the summer, like you said, they're more refreshed. They're probably not buying a lot of products, but I could totally see them wanting to set aside time for a course or some sort of content you know, that can support them the following school year.
1: Yeah. That's when I have hands down seen, I mean, like we're talking like a $4,000 launch in October with a $17,000 launch in July, like same course. It's just, wow. you know, the t- it's just the time. It's the timing. Yeah, um, of course. But to also kind of help to determine your launch timing, take a look at your social media analytics, because as you also probably know, throughout the United States, teachers end the school year at different times. So like the South, I mean, they're done in May, usually. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, are a Florida-based teacher with 70% of your audience, mainly coming from Florida, you can probably get away with the mid-June launch. Whereas if you're in New York state and going through June 22nd, that you like you probably want to do end of July beginning of August because they're not going back usually till after Labor Day. So yeah. just like pay attention to that, I guess as well, I would say.
0: So like when we're working backwards, we want to look and see when our launch date is because that's actually like the start of this process, right? Because then we're going to kind of reverse yes. engineer all of the planning leading up until the very like creation probably, the creation of course itself.
1: Yeah. So once you kind of have your date based on, you know, talking to your audience, thinking about like all the things that we just discussed, yes, yeah, so you want to kind of plan backwards and think about all of the things that you might need, what type of launch strategy you might want to do. And keep in mind that it's not a once This is, I feel like a struggle that some of my clients have, like it's not a one size fits all different things work for different audiences. And I hate to tell you, you might have to test multiple things (laughs) because (laughs) is some particular strategy might not work. So, and it's all about like also what you're comfortable with because some people might not want to do like your traditional webinar masterclass with a pitch at the end. Mm -hmm. Though I've seen those be super successful. I fall into that camp. I hate 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 webinars.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you hate doing them or do you hate going to them or you hate all of it?
0: Pretty much all of it. But from a creator, like I am not my ideal audience member. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not good at going to office hours. I'm not good at like going to webinars, things like that. But really the only thing I hate as a creator is the pressure. Like I'm always worried, like my internet's going to go out, like anything that's live. Sure. But I know that's a very big part of watching too. And that is a comfort zone I've had to get out of. So I think it's great yeah. to at least try it.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the main, like just try what is different, I guess. And I've seen webinars be successful in the summer because teachers generally, you know, like, okay, I can hang out for an hour and do this and then, you know, choose to buy or not. Of course, like with the email follow-up, there's the, you know, sort of challenge style launch or boot camp where you give them different, you know, things and quick wins each day. And then pitch at the end. That's has pros because you don't necessarily have to go live. You could pre-record everything if you wanted to. And they can also kind of watch it more so at their own pace without the pressure of like, I have to be here for a certain hour. But it might have a lower show-up rate because, like you said, you're not your ideal audience. Like you're not gonna like watch the replay or come to office hours or you know, the extra stuff. And then, you know, you could, of course, just stick with like a traditional just email only, Mm -hmm. but generally it's better to show your face and show up because (laughs) people buy from other people. So they really want to see who they're purchasing from. So once you pick your launch strategy that you're at least like going to try, then you need to start thinking about all the things that you need, like not to be overwhelming, but. You'll need a sales page and emails and a social media, at least a basic outline of a strategy You have to talk about it or no one will know it exists. (laughs) And then figuring out like where you're going to house your course or your membership. But it also doesn't have to be so, you know, intense. You could always Mm -hmm. start with like a simple paid workshop and skip the course hosting platform and just use Zoom and an email provider in yeah. a Facebook group and it's a lot cheaper.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I think it can be so overwhelming to see all of the options and all of like the possible tools and stuff. But I think that if it's your first time, like just keeping it basic, I think is the best way to go sure. and you can always kind of fine tune and keep adding pieces the next time. But it's kind of hard to make those decisions, like what course platform to go with. And what types of Facebook ads to run, things like that. Especially like when it's your first time, you really don't know what right. it is you're supposed to do, which is why people like you are <laughs> like our fairy godmothers when it comes to launching. And I know you said that your third tip is kind of like
1: related to that, right? Like getting the support that every yeah. that you
0: need for a course is so important,
1: and. I also because you you brought up something else with like the you know the course platform and keeping it basic like it doesn't have to be so expensive the first time and it shouldn't be like you should mm-hmm. always get your offer validated so to speak so I wouldn't even necessarily like jump into buying Kajabi for example and I personally love Kajabi but I wouldn't even like jump into buying Kajabi do it like a live course and don't record it all up front and Mm -hmm. you know you can drip it out each week it depends what kind of person you are right like you and i were hyper kind of planners and it might be hard for us not to have everything like done but just because you have everything done doesn't mean you have to have it all recorded and stored in kajabi like you could eliminate the 120 dollars a month or whatever kajabi is Get yourself a Facebook group, say, you know, I'm going to launch it and host it in the Facebook group. Do that is free. But then do the trainings each week. You could already have them outlined. You can already have your slides done for hyper planners like us. And then you're doing it weekly or however, twice a week, however, you want to drip out your course. And then you can get feedback from those people, decide if it works, decide if you want to record it, invest in a course platform, and you know, make all the things that go with it. And then, you know, decide on a course platform from there. So it can be, of course, (laughs) expensive if you start to hire like a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. You just want to like manage, I guess, your expectations is the best way to phrase it. Like you can certainly write all of your own copy. You can certainly design your own sales page. You can certainly write all of your own emails and upload your entire course to wherever you're uploading it yourself. You know, just keep in mind that if you're not a copywriter, like I am not a copywriter, it will probably go better if you can hire the expert kind of help that you need to write your sales page, do the emails, so on and so forth. But you don't have to do it all at once. Just Mm
0: -hmm.
1: keep in mind that these are things you can add in the future to increase your conversions and your revenue as, you know, time goes on.
0: Yeah. And I think a great, you know, we have that TPT VA Finder group. I've seen a lot of people post about like copyright services and launch type services. You could also kind of just keep certain people in mind and keep certain things in mind, like you were saying that you might want help with in the future. Cause I think time and money are huge factors. When you're first Uh starting out a launch, the costs can really Really add up. And it can be so tempting to like get every single thing in place. I love your recommendation of starting small and use, like starting with like a Facebook group and kind of using that as like your pilot form of your course. And then really deciding what you enjoy about the process and anything you don't enjoy. Those are the things I think that need hired out yeah. for the next rendition and just things you yes. don't feel very strong in. And I think when I started courses, I don't even think like course launch managers, I'm sure they existed, but they certainly were not anywhere in my orbit. Like I didn't know that was even an option. So if someone is wanting like support for the launch in general, they can reach out to somebody like you in the launch management space.
1: Yes, there are like two sort of, I guess, different versions of how I can help. And the second one's like a bit newer as I'm going through like the course and launch strategist certification. But what I've primarily done in the past is come in, step in and manage other people's teams during launches and make sure Mm -hmm. basically that like everything gets done. Because that is like, I think one of the most exhausting parts of being a CEO who maybe has a whole, you know, a large TPT store. Mm -hmm. And then you also have a course and you're trying to manage it all. Like someone I'm working with in July, she's launched maybe, I think she said this will be her ninth or 10th launch. And, you know, she hired me for the summer. She's like, I'm just sick of figuring out what needs done when and making sure that people do it and putting it all together. And Mm -hmm. I just can't do it anymore. She's like, and I've waited too long. and I just don't want to be in. I just want to show up and smile and do the webinar and then go away. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So she's, I mean, she is at that point that she's obviously made enough money from her course and on TPT that she can just hire me to step in and manage her team. Mm -hmm. And then the other sort of like, Avenue that a launch manager can help with. I would say, like, probably depending on their experience, is like what I talked about earlier, how I'm kind of helping two different people to like revamp their courses. And then I will step in and like manage their live launches this summer as well. Manage their teams.
0: Love that. That's just so cool to have all of these options. And I will say, like, for anyone listening who's like, oh, this sounds like a lot, like. Sounds very overwhelming. I want to kind of like circle back to the money side of things because while launches and courses and memberships are a lot of work and they're not passive income, they are a very nice supplement to your TPT product income. So if anyone listening has been like thinking about courses or memberships or anything, I feel like my general advice is just to try it out. Like give it a shot, see how it goes, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised despite the
1: large amount of work (laughs) that I mean, you did, you do both and you've had both for quite some time, which do you think is harder, a course or a membership?
0: Oh gosh, I probably, I don't know. They're both so different. (laughs) I would say at this point, probably the membership, just because it Mm -hmm. is like, you have to consistently be like on, right? Like when I launch a course and it's like a, Six week process from launch to wrapping up the course. I have to be on that whole time. And that's very intense. But then I can kind of take a step back and like take a breath after that's all said and done. Whereas with memberships, you constantly have people who are paying for your expertise and paying for your content. And there's this pressure to meet their expectations. And it's not a bad thing. Like I, I love our membership. I love our community. It definitely holds me accountable though. Like it is a, Mm an ongoing, even though we have all the content created, you just still have active members all the time. Whereas with courses, they're only active for the length of the course usually. So right, right. that would be, but that's also the reason, I mean, I was the person that was like, I'll never have a team. I'll never like say the word team. I was like, so annoyed every time I heard people be like, well, my team, you know, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my gosh, what would I do without Katie and Ashley? Like. They're the reason why school of sellers still exists because you do need that support and you do need more than just yourself. So whatever option you end up going with, definitely the support piece is huge. In my, I opinion. agree. This has been amazing, and I'm like, this is perfect timing because I'm getting ready to launch the finishing framework again next month, and that's what I'm doing the rest of today. So I'm like <laughs> excited. <laughs> To get started on that to kind of put me in that the headspace necessary, but I wanted to end our episode with a couple like just for fun questions. Yeah. That's cool with you. Okay. So my first question is, and these are totally random. What were you like in high
1: school? Were you involved in anything? Like what was your high school persona? Yes. So I was a year-round volleyball player and I was pretty quiet though i would say in class like i never really like raised my hand which i think surprises a lot of people i get like that oh were you a cheerleader like i was not and i was involved in student council national honor society so i was like always around mm-hmm. <laughs> just like kind of quietly i feel like observing in class i like didn't ever like to be wrong in a public forum now it doesn't bother me as much but <laughs>
0: interesting I feel like that's very aligned with being like an online business manager, though, like kind of just involved and but like kind of behind the scenes
1: at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a creep. (laughs) (laughs) Like one of the teams that I'm currently managing, I've been with one of my retainer clients for two years, and then another one's a bit newer, about six months now, and it's big. It's a team of 12. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just kind of like a creep in the background, just <laughs> like trying to make sure everybody gets what they need to get done, done. But yeah, you're right. It does, I never thought about love, it that way. It does kind of align. I
0: love it. Well, I wasn't going to go the creep route, but I think that's funny. <laughs> but I think it's like a very valuable skill to have. Yes. Okay, if you could get rid of one
1: month out of the year, which one would it be and why? That's hard. I feel like March which is terrible. That's this month when we're recording this, (laughs) but (laughs) March is just, I don't want to offend any March birthdays. I just, I feel like I have it like from my time in the classroom, it was just like the longest month. Like there's no breaks Mm -hmm. and you're still really far away from summer. I don't know if I'll mind, this is my first full year out of the classroom. So we'll see how I feel about it after March is over. But if I had to answer now, I would say March, just because it feels so long. And like, is it going to be 70 or is it going to snow? Right. Right.
0: And like, there's nothing exciting happening. I mean, St. Patrick's Day, that's not really on my radar, but no, (laughs) I, gosh, I think I'd have to agree with that, honestly. Well, hopefully my daughter's birthday is in March. (laughs) Eh, It's okay. It's nothing personal. uh okay so are you a coffee drinker
1: I am okay how do you take your coffee like what's your daily <laughs> cup of coffee look like well I have to laugh because my husband's always like black like your soul but <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do drink it black because black growing up in high school like my dad also takes his coffee black and he never had like sugar or creamer in the house so that's just how I have adapted to it
0: yeah that's nice. how about you I'm on the blacker side, but I need some sort of, I usually put oat milk in it, but it's like not like super light. It's pretty, just to have something else in there. Yeah. Just something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Last question. Is there any current like trend? It could be like an Instagram trend, marketing business that you just wish would disappear forever.
1: I think it. Is kind of disappearing, and I would like to see it get out the rest of the way. I feel like competition marketing is slightly going away, and I hope it hurries up. Uh, I feel like this move towards more like collaboration has been happening lately, mm-hmm. which I love. So, if the competitor mindset could just kick rocks because there's like room at the table for everybody, everybody is something different. To offer, so obviously that I love that answer. Do you know
0: I was? I think I was writing an email the other day, and I was I looked to see how many products were listed on TPT, and it's like almost eight million products. And I just like, if there are that many products and that many successful sellers, like clearly there is room for us all. You know, like if eight million isn't a saturated, like impossible market to break into, then I don't know what else. So I love that answer because I think I would love to see that. I feel like it's a lot more like in the business end of things where people get, I don't know, it's more in my
1: own head than I'm like competitive
0: with other people, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of people, but I think that sometimes the competitor mindset, just like from what I've seen, I guess, working with some, you know, clients, it like affects you, right? Because you oh, think yeah. like, oh, well, if they're doing this, like, well, I can't do it because it already exists. And that's Absolutely. not necessarily true. Absolutely. No, I think that's a super toxic mindset, and then, like I said, I'm
0: still struggling with it. So, get good. rid of that <laughs> all together. <laughs> that would be that. amazing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Well, this was so awesome and so good. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas and your expertise and all of the good stuff when it comes to courses and memberships.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me. It was super fun to be here.